0: Hash circle up. Welcome to On On, the Hash House Harrier podcast for interviews, history, and stories. I'm your host, Ra. Today on the podcast, we're continuing with Mr. Jackson in part two. We'll talk about his hashing outside of Rumsen and travels, and the ever-famous Rumson Inter-America's Bid Presentation. Let's talk about travels. How far away from New Jersey have you hashed?
1: With one exception, you know, America's in a hash in Canada and South Central America, we go to those, I go to those. But never any other foreign ones. With one exception, looking you know, at my wife and I taking a trip in Australia, somewhere or another I've that there was in Cairns, we were Great Barrier Reef. There was a hash, and I made a call, got the guy. It was less than a mile from my hotel. I told my wife on Hashen, and there was another couple there to keep her, so she didn't miss me so much. I get there, and I get expectations. I must have got some of it from Monty Python, you know, and uh, <laughs> you know the shrimp and the barbie and, and those crocodile dundee movies i'm expecting some real wild food i'm really looking forward to it so i get up there you talk about severely disappointed it was a family hash obviously there were little kids around dogs hamburgers cooked after the highlight of it was i had a rumson hash shirt on i'm there and there were a number of ab- aborigines uh, you know people originally the real australians they came up there and they reckoned they knew the rumson hash and i couldn't wait to come home and say You know, the aborigines people in Australia know us, but they only knew us from, you know, they were hashers and they saw the pictures and they know the shirts and stuff. It was a fine moment, but it was a particularly disappointing, uh, disappointing hash. Okay, back to your original question. I got diverted then.
0: Do you have memories from the early Inter-Americas events and the origins of Rumson bidding for inter America?
1: I do. I do. We went to uh, what I consider the first America's inner hash in Atlanta. I know there had been one previously in Costa Rica or somewhere, but uh, in my mind, Atlanta was the first one. And I can tell you stories about Atlanta, but I will move on from that.
0: Okay, some of Atlanta inter Americas will go
1: untold. The next one was Philadelphia. That blew my mind because this is a big event. You know, they've got the art museum involved. They had lights on t- uh welcome hashes on top of the uh, one of the bank buildings there great time san diego was bidding They were the serious ones. I've always uh, believed pretty much that White Quilt decides where it's going next, and the voting is just a waste of time. Tip O'Neill, who was the dominant force in Philadelphia hashing, really ran this place with a strict hand. That's how they got stuff done.
0: I'll just give a reference for that hash name. Tip O'Neill was the speaker of the House of Representatives in the US Congress around that time and that was not the real politician that was a hasher with that name
1: he's talking to me and i said you know i think we'd really like to give it a shot then he comes back to me later i'm up against the wall with chemical mike and elephant dick and comes back to me he says are you serious do you really want this and i my straightest face i said we really want it so bad please so Oh, and he said, You got it. All right. Oh, I know. So we go up there in San Diego, and he says, And San Diego, bids, stick up your hand. (laughs) The three of us have our hands up. He's looking over there, and he realized that that was our first try, but then we realized that we really can do this. And some of them were classic. It used to be that only two people from each, you know, you'd think it was parliament or something, uh, voting in the House of Lords. You know, only two people from each hash could be represented and all that bullshit. Next one, I forget where it was. Whatever it was, we got into serious. I remember one of them was we marched in with guns, and we were six of us. We were in diapers. Uh, we had these fake things but we were in diapers. White, you know, tidy diapers. they gave the speech, and I forget at what point we decided we were going to take a piss. And we all did, up on stage, but we had the diaper on. But it, it got more sophisticated than that.
0: Wow. More sophisticated than peeing on stage.
1: No, no Well, they were, yeah. I think a lot of, I know I, first of all, I'd never go on stage with a full bladder, so I think I'd take care of that already. So <laughs> I made all the motions and the stuff like uh, Steve Martin in that movie, remember? But anyway, I pretended like I was pissing. I really wasn't. But anyway, that was one of them. But it got more sophisticated. I mean, the last one in, last one, where the hell was it? Phoenix? Was that the last one? Yeah.
0: Yeah, Phoenix, before the boat.
1: Yeah. And now uh, everybody votes. We put on a formal presentation. We had GI running our um high end five G uh five G uh overhead projector. So it, it really it was fun and I we enjoyed doing it. The truth of the matter is The one who makes those decisions has been Pat Quilt as long as I can remember. And at least two of them, he told us we actually won the vote. But the man's no fool. Uh, He obviously didn't give it to (laughs) us. Yeah, I'm telling people about, Rumson's a little town. We don't have these big facilities like Phoenix. But talking about uh, using uh, Uber (laughs) and and all of this stuff. Anyway, it amazes me to this day, as stupid as we do it, there are still some people that believe we really want to do it that don't know who we are and don't know where Rumsen is, you couldn't know. Yeah,
0: the overhead projector is kind of a mainstay of a Rumson Inner America's bid. Even if they don't have them in the country, I think part of iarta we might have found the only overhead projector in the city and brought it for the Rumson presentation.
1: Well yeah. Yes, I would make sure that who was ever running it would get one. I forget there was one of them we had where they got one, and rented it, and then tried to make us pay for it. We're not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> this one's, this one's on you. I already paid a hundred dollars for the weekend. That's without of. Overhead projector, we got no.
0: It may have been important, I forget, the overhead projector didn't work or wasn't there. And Elephant Dick held up a slide with a flashlight behind it and said, you can see it up there on the ceiling. And everybody was looking as if they were going to see a slide projected 100 feet in the air on the ceiling with this little flashlight that he held in his hand there.
1: You know about our PE skit. I'm gonna be a little careful uh, talking about that because you know my family might have access to this. Um, but you've seen it, you've seen it, right?
0: This is the famous presentation that teaches biology lesson, basically?
1: Oh, no, no, it's related to romance. Romance and love and uh, stuff like.
0: What does involve a Brillo pad, I think?
1: That's part of my routine. And, and, Elephant tick's right in the middle of this.
0: Another part of the Rumson bid is a throwback to the old negative campaigning rather than just promoting Rumson. The Rumson bid will tell the disadvantages that other bidders have.
1: I do that every time. I mock anyone else. That's getting and likely to get it. I think I remembered. You know, I asked them, Mexicans had a big contingent there, and I asked them to stand up. And I said, Who, Would you realize these people just came across the border <laughs> on a ton of avocados? No, i mean, in all, all kinds of things, you know. The-
0: One of my favorite critiques of the Puerto Vallarta bid was the concern over phone service. And you said, Oh, there will be no trouble calling home. The kidnappers will give you as many call- phone calls to your family for ransom payments
1: as you like. Yes, yes. And send one of your toes back. Oh, yeah. all I mean, it was just awful. But, you know, the truth is, I, no one gets offended by that. I mean, they know me. They know what I say. They were laughing as hard as anyone else. Was that the one where we had all of the thick and wounded Rumson Hashes show up? You Remember that one?
0: Yes, people limping on stage in crutches. I think that IRA had
1: crutches, his head
0: in a bandage, his arm in a cast, and more.
1: That's, yeah, That's what it was. Chemical Mike, all of them, right right we had i actually had a hospital bed we were pulling someone in and, and, uh, but we have more fun doing that the reactions have always been good i never no matter what we do no matter how stupid it is and i think that's what ups the number of people who vote for us they said you know i, I want to go to an interhatch i want to go with a lot of stupid people and rumson seems to be the place so
0: i've heard more than one person say at an inter-americas that when talking about it later, oh, the best part of the weekend was the rumps and bid. More than one person and more than one inter Americas.
1: Well, thank you, I'm glad you said it. I, I do get that a lot. My modesty does not allow me to to say it first, so thank you.
0: Yeah, it's fun that the rumps and bid is kind of a tradition of Inter-Americas every time.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's fun. So, we got Medellin coming up, Colombia coming up next year, right? The first
0: Inter-Americas post-pandemic, very looked forward to. I'm not sure if the location will scare off some hashers.
1: Yeah, I've been my wife and I have been there. We traveled all around Colombia maybe 4 or 5 years ago. But, uh, when they stopped shooting people. We had a great trip. Great people, beautiful country. Yeah. But I don't know. We'll see. I've reached my point in life that I'm buying my milk by pints now rather than half gallons. So.
0: Okay, let's talk about Rumsen and the no bimbo policy. What happens if a bimbo does show up for a Rumsen hash?
1: Well, that's my job. I go over. I won't uh, repeat the language I use, um, but uh, I go up and uh, quickly that they must leave, right? And they have. But I was only challenged two times, and the problem was some of our hashes have out-of-town girlfriends. I think out-of-town. I mean, they can't make it in the day. And we gave them free ride for a while. I was fairly tender about this. Otherwise, i quite unpleasant about their appearance. Twice I have had to turn around and come home because one guy brought his wife, and I said, you can't do that. He said, well, I have to. It's my hash. So I drove 50 miles down there, turned around, drove 50 miles back. I've done that twice just to make the point. But it hasn't happened. Uh, It really hasn't really been an issue. And I told the guys, I mean, this was a recent conversation. When I'm gone, I don't give a damn what you do. You know, you can be flooded with uh, bimbos. You can even call them women am going to be around, so I don't care. But as long as I'm uh, up and you know can sit up and take nourishment, there's not going to be any bimbos that are hash. But the truth is, we have a number of other other events where they are invited, you know. So another
0: long-term infamous event is Ten Mile Ten Bars.
1: Yeah, yeah. This goes back. I mean, this is a 40-year tradition because I was living in Rumson at the time. And one of the um, biker groups start in uh, Rumson and end up in Belmar, which is 10 miles. It was prearranged. They would stop at bars along the way. The competitive people would actually go in, drink a beer, sign a thing, and run back to their bike and take off again for the next bar. We thought thought this was fascinating. And this was at the time when, when, you know, we'd get 20 people. So what we did is we went to the start point and we gave i think we left a half hour an hour before them half hour in fact we got to the first bar when the first bikes arrived you know every bar we'd stay longer and longer but and the bikers too it ended up being hundreds and hundreds of people with bikes but having no interest in competing at all it was just a bike pub crawl we always ran it and we had some really good times until they run through maybe six, eight different municipalities, and there were a couple of accidents, you know, people falling off their bike and people complaining. So the cops in Rumson put out a notice that uh, there would be no more pub crawls over, you can't do it. And we got a word out that that's wrong. That was misinformation and we're really gonna do it. So a lot of bikes show up and we take off and at the second or third bar and deal, all these bikes are piled up on the sidewalk and so on so, the cops. They had pulled up a flatbed truck and were loading all the bikes onto it, all right? So <laughs> these guys, I didn't even go out. I mean, uh, my bike wasn't there. <laughs> but the the bike people with bikes went out and pleaded with them and they finally gave them their bikes back. They didn't take them away, but uh, they told them they don't want to see them again. And that was kind of the end of it. But we still run it. The 10 mile, 10 bar is now, we changed it to 5 miles, 10 bars. We're never going to reduce the number of bars. The mileage went down. And in the last few years, it's kind of like 3 miles, 3 bars in downtown Asbury Park, which has some great uh, things. So it has dwindled. Great time for yeah, close to 40 years, I guess.
0: Well, there's kind of some honorary rumps and figures like... Uh, shit happened with his organizing of the Thursday boat on the Como weekend.
1: He pays for the boat. Yes. there's a, The honorary, yeah, I guess there are, you know, I call them, uh, some of the women, I call them <laughs> rums hash groupies, you know, every time you turn around, here they are. <laughs> yeah, they're all, yes, I guess. The point is, there are...
0: Anybody else come to mind you want to call out? Notable hashers or...?
1: Well, the problem with that is not the ones that hear it. It's the ones that hear it, don't hear theirs. Like on, birth- on birthdays, I send out all my Facebook friends. On their birthday, I send the same words. To bimbos, happy birthday, dear. To guys, happy birthday, on and on. And I realized at the beginning, that if I started just a little alteration in this, then someone else is going to see it and say, gee, seems to like her morning light. I don't know. Anyway, I just started. And I've also decided in this thing not to mention any names because I could get, I could get started. People always like to hear their names. I do. And, uh, and I'd like to stand, them. But I think I'm going to pass on that invitation. Thank you.
0: Well, your name's come up in a few podcasts with people, and even Rumps and Hash has been mentioned by
1: some. Oh, to be honest, I, I listen to a lot of them. Once I start, you know, saying, well, let's see, I made Miles in Jakarta, or was it Hong Kong in 1982, or was it 1984? Maybe it was not Jakarta. Maybe it Miles. <laughs> and I realized there is, there, there, there is a lot of that. It made me realize that the core, the essence of, at least the history of hashing, is in Southeast Asia with expats. You know, some of those accents I have a hard time picking up on, you know, as you get older.
0: Lord Deepthroat of the UK had quite a bit to say about Rumson, similar to the men's only hash that he started.
1: I, I'm going to write his name down right now. Tell me who this is.
0: Lord Deepthroat, men's only hash
1: house harriers. Lord Deep Throat. You know, I think...
0: Yeah, he went on about that. He thinks that all the and hashers have actually already died and are just cardboard cutouts that they bring to the circle. He may have heard about the cardboard cutouts that do exist at Rumson.
1: <laughs> yeah. Those got, well, the only cardboard cutouts I know are, And mine... In my tuxedo, G.I. in his tuxedo also, and some Nittany Valley inner hash, some bimbo stole it. I know who, I've been told who it was, but, you know, I don't want to challenge her, but I, you know, I'm probably sitting in a bedroom at the end of the bed. Um, and, okay. <laughs> most, uh,
0: yeah, most likely.
1: I, I hope, I hope. <laughs> That's where it is. <laughs> I hope it didn't just get thrown out. <laughs> Like to mention my uh, YouTube videos that I recommend to everyone. The one, uh if you go to YouTube and you search on Rumps and Hash, you'll see my Billy Bob uh, presentation, which in all modesty is a pretty good explanation of what hashing is. Better than some of the ones where it's 10 minutes of guys running around the woods. And then the other one, the Dead Horse story, which if you go to YouTube and you uh, search on Dead Horse, it's there. Because it's a real story, and I told it so often, I finally got to the point where I said, uh, I gotta do this anymore. It's now on um, John Marin, a good buddy of mine, he's the one that taped it, videoed it on Sunday morning after Como. (laughs)
0: uh, Yeah, most likely.
1: Oh really? Rather than have them watch it?
0: I think I'll put a... Snip it in. But how about you give us a teaser of the dead horse story to encourage people to go find it? And I'll put a link at the podcast website. But just give a 90 second teaser of the dead horse.
1: Really early on in the hash, I was still living in Rumson. I was only there, I guess, four years. And I got moved up to, uh, relocated up to Summit, running bitter cold, bitter cold, 20 degrees or something. We're running in the godforsaken part of New Jersey and we come upon a dead horse we know as we walk around it and stuff then we take off i come home from the hash i'm up in the shower and i hear i think it was one of my kids or or maybe rose saying what's that in the driveway Dry off come down i look It's the same goddamn horse in my driveway in rumson all right and uh,
0: okay that's enough of the teasers i don't get them I'll, i'll put a couple just voice clips in but That'll get people to wonder what happened and want to hear the story. They can go out
1: and find it on YouTube. (laughs) It really gets interesting after that. In fact, I watched it myself again just recently and laughed. No one thinks I'm funnier than I do. So it's worth seeing.
0: (laughs) And what's the story with that second video you want people to see?
1: 16, 18 years ago with my Billy Bob outfit on explaining what hashing is. And that's on YouTube, uh, Commotion by the Ocean. It's right there these would be things worth worth viewing.
0: When and why did you make the Billy Bob video?
1: Yeah, oh yeah, but um, but, you know, I had more fun with that. Give you two minutes on Billy Bob. A friend of mine had these teeth and I thought they were real cute, so I got them. Got the hat and all the stupid, got a pair of glasses and put duct tape all over it and stuff. And. After the hash on Saturday, we're leaving the parking lot and say, i got to pick someone up at the airport. Um, I, can't, uh, I can't go today. So I wait. I give it about a half hour, and I put on my whole outfit with the boots, with the untied laces, the lumberjack jacket, the whole thing. And I walk into this bar, which was our bar at the time. We, that's where we spent most of our time. Bartender I knew so well. And I walk in, and all the guys are down at one end of the bar, and there's two guys at the other end of the bar. I walk in, there's probably 20 empty seats. I sit right next to the two guys that are there. Right next to them. (laughs) It's like, going. so they get a quick look and they move. I mean, I was scary looking. They moved to the other end of the bar, to the right end. And a barmaid comes up to me and she says, yes, sir. What would you like? And I said, you got any Budweiser? Yeah, we do. I said, okay, let me have some of that Budweiser. And I have a wrapped up... uh, Five dollar bill and I can throw it on the, on the bar. And she's looking panicky. She really is because this looks, I look like trouble. The guys that's at the end of the bar, I see her talking to them. They're looking at me. They have no idea who I am. They're looking at me. They're looking at me. So she comes back and I said, them guys talking about me? She's, oh no, no, no. She was, now she's really panicking. She said, no, um, they're just a bunch of runners. And I'll put in the line, the line I use just for accuracy. I point down at Marty, big Marty, and I point to him and I say, that big fat fuck's the runner? Well, <laughs> and, and now she's really, dumb. so I can see him. And Marty is the kind of guy, he's, uh, he's got a quick temper. You know, I, I think I wouldn't be surprised if would he come down and he's going to hit me if I would uh, pull my disguise off. He didn't move, but I, he was glaring at me. So I start walking down to the floor, right? I'm walking to the group, and they are looking at me. Nobody knows me.
0: None of the hashers recognized you in in the costume.
1: Oh, no, there's no way. Believe me, there's no way you could recognize me in that outfit. So I started. I went to one guy. I said, hey, you! didn't you used to go to school with my sister? They don't know what the hell to do. Finally, I... Finally, I pull off the mask and they had no idea. Then I started wearing it to interhashes and stuff. Again, did. I remember one Philadelphia event dancing. i <laughs> full dressed. <I'd, laughs> the little people circling around, I'd walk up to one of the bimbos there looking at the dancing, right up to them, shoulder to shoulder. You want to dance? No. <laughs> they, they didn't even respond. They ran. They ran away. I, I had more fun. <laughs> with that outfit. Finally it got to group enough people uh, had seen me that Bimbo's actually would dance with me and kinda give me a little kiss around those rugged teeth. But no, it was it was a lot of fun. In fact, um there's pictures of me there if you wanna I know you put pictures up at the beginning of the podcast. If you want to use that one, that's fine. Yeah, so that's that was uh that was Billy Bob. Um
0: That's great. That's a brilliant story.
1: What else do we got? I can do this all day.
0: So the rumps and hashers, all men, do occasionally hash with bimbos when they travel, hash, visit other clubs, events, or enter Americas, and some may travel with their partner, girlfriend, or.
1: Yeah, they do. I think I'm not speaking for myself because I've been married for sixty years, and uh, but some of the other guys, I think maybe um, I don't know. Okay, oh, <laughs> end of that discussion. When I go to those hashes. Uh, My wife does not join me. Okay,
0: you'll probably not like this question, but I'd like to ask everybody, if you had the ballpark guess, how many hash trails do you think you've done since the
1: mid-70s? I mean, the fact that we do it 52 weeks a year for 44 years, uh, there are lapses there of a couple of weeks because I'm sick or we're on vacation, that kind of stuff. So I have no idea. Uh, I really don't.
0: Probably 1,800 to 2,000 or more.
1: Ah, yeah, no less than that, no less than that, I would guess. Yeah, other than a few injuries while hashing.
0: And then there was the deck collapse.
1: Was that at your house? Oh, that was my 85th birthday, two years ago. It was a uh, hash, no family. Well, actually, my daughter came, but mine rose was there. But we had this raised deck in the back of the house, maybe, I'm guessing, four feet, maybe. And we wanted to take a picture of everyone who was there, so we um getting everyone on the deck, and in the middle of it, um, down it came and crashed. And uh, we had three uh injuries. It went to the emergency room. All three of them came back. I think there was at least a broken toe, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but the party went on. It was a Sunday, slow news day, and somewhere or another, I think the word went out that a house had collapsed because I mean the. I had ambulances, fire engines, police cars, the whole convergence on my house. And then Channel 7 News out of New York City is there, you know, with the big crane sticking up of the truck. Yikes. I think uh, they did get a clip. They wanted to come in the back, and I wouldn't let them. They have to get your permission. Back there, I mean, there were people being emergency guys, uh, having wrapping up their wounds and stuff. I didn't want to see that. I think Dave the Mason came out and gave an interview. Uh, Doggy Style did also. But uh, yeah, that, uh, you know, ten o'clock news. Stay up. That collapse in uh in Summit. Well,
0: fortunately, it didn't take out completely any hashers. Have you been hurt, injured on the
1: hash? Yeah, I've probably been hurt as much dancing as I have on hash trails. I remember one. Pittsburgh hash. They had a hash in the um, an old um, iron mine, I guess, built into the mountain cave, were you at that one?
0: I wasn't there with you. I've been in the mines in those hills there around Pittsburgh.
1: It was weird. I mean, you're in um, ankle-deep water, pitch black, and they actually had a beer check inside the cave. If the lights went out, we'd all be there. I'd still be there. But I remember coming out after a few beers, and there was a long gravel uh, path going down. I'm showing off. I started running down there and passing people and stuff. When I got to the end, I realized I was going too fast, and the trail ended. I did a face plant where, you know, I had gravel in my nose, in my mouth, everywhere. And I hit hard, and I'm laying there thinking, oh, I did it this time. I really did it. But by the time I got up and shaked myself off, up in a few bruises and stuff, I was fine. You know, good for the rest of the weekend. Getting out of streams, rocky streams, when you're fighting your way through the water and stuff. I found the most dangerous one is that last step <laughs> when you're getting out of the bank and down you go. But nothing, I've never broken any bones, uh, none of that. thing. My only cash uh, injury was, um, you've heard about my tick bite.
0: Yes, this wasn't Lyme disease, which we think of pretty common in the ticks in the Northeast, but there are lots of ticks in the Northeast and certainly in New Jersey.
1: And chiggers. And no, this was mid-April, I started and uh, we were out. I came back home. Well, first I had collapsed, and I don't know whether that's a chigger bite or what, but they picked me up and they get me to the bar. I'm fine, I'd drive home. And I shower and I got ticks. Lots of ticks, ten, twelve, fifteen. Who's counting? They're the wood ticks, the ones you can actually see. So I pick them all off Saturday and Monday. I happen to have a uh, standing appointment with my dermatologist. I tell him, and he finds more of them. Okay, that was on uh, Monday. Tuesday, I'm in shaven in the bathroom, and I can feel myself passing out. And I start walking to the bed, and I don't make it. I collapse right in the middle of the bedroom. My wife comes up. Between two of us, we managed to get me on the bed. Nursing went to uh the ER. They had me, uh, infectious disease doctor. I mean, I couldn't lift up my head. Uh, infectious disease doctor, real quick says, babiosa, okay? I never heard of it before then. I see it referenced now as a rare tick bite. She said she only sees maybe a half a dozen cases a year, but it can kill you if it's not diagnosed. She diagnosed it and got me on the right, um, I was in the hospital for seven days. Man, now, you can get a heart transplant in five days in the hospital.
0: Well, yeah, that's a protozoa disease. It's not easy to detect. You can't detect it on the scanner from the bite.
1: So they did it with the, uh, a blood test, basically parasites who, that infect your red blood cells. You can actually see pictures of the samples there of these parasites in the red blood cells. And, of course, your oxygen level you know, drops. But she was on it right away from even before the blood samples came in, and that verified it. So I was there eight days, and then I rehab. I need an ambulance to get me to rehab. I was there for over two weeks, you know, dating, trying to climb stairs and, you know, got released <laughs> with a walker, came home. I had an appointment uh, with my uh, infectious disease doctor maybe 10 days after I came back. I dance every morning. Uh, This has been my routine for a number of years now. I have a playlist of my favorite rock and roll dance songs. I come out of bed. I immediately go down there, turn on the thing, and I dance like no one's watching. I mean, it's just crazy. Um, if, uh, If someone didn't hear the music, they would think I was having a fit of some kind. It's really a good way to start the day. I mean, I love it. It really sets me up. I took a video of me dancing. And I brought it to the infectious disease doctor. This is yeah, less than two weeks after I got out. Showed it to her, which is, she thought that was great. I mean, the walker was gone within a week, and within a month I was 100%. You know, 100% for some of my age is a relative uh, number. <laughs> you know, I have balance issues. I can dance and spin and jump. <laughs> but when I walk, I really have to be careful when I walk uh, that I don't trip. You know, that's weird. I need to talk to some uh, neurologist or something about that. When I'm dancing, I have great balance. Walking, less so.
0: Uh, how, much, how much hashing did that illness take out of your schedule?
1: I missed the last uh, como, So but I'm fine.
0: So that's good news. Mr. Jackson is fine. That is the end of part two with Mr. Jackson co-founder of rumps and hash in part three we'll talk hashing history rumps and history and more this is the on on podcast hasher stories hasher voices hasher history new episodes every week until next time on on this is raw to close the circle here's the hash anthem sung by mother hash swing low swing